You're listening to Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with me, Melissa Gonzalez. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with your host, me, Melissa Gonzalez. Today, I'm excited to have Sonal Gandhi on with us as our special guest. Um, For those of you who might be familiar with the lead, you might know who she is. If not, we're going to tell you a little bit more about that today. Sonal is uh, a proven expert on the strategies of the world's leading retailers and brands and serves today as the chief content officer at The Lead, a media company serving fashion, retail, and consumer industries through research, content, and executive events, one of which is happening soon, this July, um, in New York City. She is also an expert on how new technologies and disruptive business models are shaping the strategies of the world's leading brands and retailers. So we're going to dig in a little bit into that. Prior to the lead, she had various strategy roles at ShopTalk, eBay, Macy's, and from leading key client relationships to planning and implementing strategic omni-channel initiatives. We're going to dig in a lot on the conversation today, talking not just about what the lead does, but what is the future of a D2C brand, the importance of creating an identity, a growth strategy that cannot be a one-size-fits-all, and what is the evolution of the shopping experience, and what does that mean for all of this in the landscape of things? So, Sonal, thank you so much for being on with us today. Thank you for having me. So, Sonal, I gave the audience a really high-level introduction to who you are and what the lead is, but why don't you tell us a little bit more about your role at the lead um, and what the lead is looking to achieve? Right. So thanks, Melissa. So we're, we're focused on the future of brands. And for the last few years, we've noticed that brands are increasingly focused on their direct-to-consumer business model. Wholesale, marketplaces, they all have a role to play, but direct-to-consumer business strategy is here to stay, and that remains one of the fastest-growing channels for a lot of brands. So we're, what our job is to curate winning strategies, identify technologies and help brands sort of stay relevant in a world that is increasingly direct to consumer. That's what the lead does. We do that through um, a a few research lists that we produce where we highlight both winning digital native brands as well as individuals um, that are, you know, changing their own businesses from within. Um, And then we have um, a big flagship event in July, as you mentioned, which brings together both sort of challenger brands that are are coming up with new ideas, uh, you know, through product innovation, marketing innovation, but also more established incumbent brands who are changing their business. Um, And so we bring them all together for this two day uh, event uh, to discuss those those strategies. Uh, That's what the lead is. Uh, I'm in charge of you know, all of the content that we do. So from the research lists that we produce to the program and the agenda for the event and, and of course recruiting great speakers. Mm-hmm. Great, well, I look forward to this summer. Um, so let's go back to D2C. You described what the lead does and you described a D2C, but you've also, and I agree, have stated that from digital native to CPG brand, brand to consumer is an imperative strategy that cannot be avoided. So. D2C is kind of permeated more than what people think of what D2C is in this box. So talk a little bit about that, especially as the landscape has been evolving so much 
right? Mm -hmm. You have brands that have been traditionally wholesale that have moved more to their own direct-to-consumer channels, but really the ecosystem's all coming together. Okay. So D2C, for us, we define it as brand-to-consumer, which means all the touch points that the brand has with its consumers. That could be on Instagram and TikTok. That could be on within your physical stores. That could be through your, your website or, or your mobile shopping site. So there's many ways that brands are meeting consumers. Um, even at you know um, events where brands show up, it is, it's, it's that relationship that they're building directly with their consumer where they, the transaction happens with the brand and the data is ultimately, you know, with the consumer data is with the brand. That's to us means D2C. D2C is not just digital. Physical is an important part of D2C. And we're seeing that a lot more brands are both younger and, and more established brands realizing the power of physical, the physical presence um, and building on it to, you know, to build on that D2C strategy. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And obviously, uh, at, you know, at my company, MG2 and the Lioness Group, we well-versed in decades of working with digital native brands, D2C, who get to a certain threshold, $10 million in sales, and the customer acquisition costs become extremely high as they're widening their net, right, for their target market. And so they turn to physical retail. And then there's this deep conversation, really, of, well, what is the opportunity of physical retail? Right? How is this, what is the opportunity of this touch point, not this different business unit, this touch point in a customer's journey? So seeing that you sit into in these conversations, right, around this innovation with so many brands and you have your like top 50 list that you guys publish, um, what are the trends that you're seeing when it comes to that and how these D2C brands are approaching physical retail? Um, and who do you think is doing it well? So I think that, you know, um, a couple of years ago, when we were having these conversations, a path to a brand's growth or expansion was we're, we're e-commerce, now we're going to go into our stores, then we're going to go into wholesale, et cetera, right? Those, those channels, uh, that was the path. I think a lot of the brands are going e-commerce, wholesale, and then maybe physical now. So the, the, the order has changed because the younger brands are finding it a little bit overwhelming to own a store because that's not their sort of, you know, that's not how they started out. Um, but I think a lot of them are starting out the traditional way of going with pop-ups, showing up at, you know, different events um, and different places where their customers are. And then they're expanding into physical presence. And their expectation of the physical presence is also changing a bit, right? It isn't, you know, let's start and have all these different stores, but it's like, let's start with one stores or two stores. Let's really try to figure out what the brand expression is um, mm -hmm. in those two stores. Let's really try to figure out how do we take this um, digital brand and then convert it into a physical experience um, and then sort of expand from there. So there's def definitely a more considered approach to it. Um, there's obviously less venture capital dollars available for that, you know, rapid expansion. So the brands are very deliberate about expanding into physical, um, but very considered about it. But certainly, you know, they understand that the physical presence is important to really sort of make that leap into that next level, right? You can only grow so much online. And then in order to, to make that jump, you need to have physical presence. Physical presence helps give you that um, identity that you could not have uh, in a digital space. Um, and also it gives you that legitimacy. 
Um, so a lot of these brands are definitely um, looking at physical as that way to jump um, into that next level of growth. But there again, you know, um, they do need to, they need help with the expertise. They need help with, you know, running a physical store that's different from how they've run their business before. Absolutely. And this is the conversation we have, right? As a brand approaches us, we think about what is the 3D manifestation of your brand? How are we pulling forward an aspect of your value proposition um, that maybe isn't easily translatable online? Um, some of the things that come up are how are we evoking that sense of community in the physical space, right? Especially as people are becoming so much more fluid in how they interact across channels. There is this yearning for community around a physical space. And that's a really powerful thing if you can create that around your brand. And I think that there's some that they approach store design, they're thinking about that. Like, how is the space flexing to serve multiple needs? Um, and, and how is it increasing that lifetime value? What I'm excited about as well, too, is I think there was conversations before, but it's accelerating post-COVID um, because there's so many more tools to track it. But that attribution, because if you think about it as well, right, you're, you're talking about physical retail for legitimacy, but you can see evidence of that from the halo effect that it creates. That's right. Um, what yeah. are some of the conversations you're having with brands around this? So I think the halo effect is certainly real. Um, it is, you know, you'll see that brands are, you know, seeing that the, the brand um, affinity, the brand, um, you know, um, awareness rise in the communities where they have a store and all the, the, the certain, you know, uh, radius uh, around the store where they, they the brands do exist. Um, but also, um, just having a physical store gives brands an opportunity to try, you know, different, you know, um, product assortments, what works in a store doesn't work online. Um, so trying those things out, new products, new, new way of assorting the stores um, so that they can then take that and, and work it into their assortment strategy with their wholesale partners, whether in the stores or try new products and then bring them online. So there's, there's all sorts of, um, synergies that happen when you have two ways of sort of reaching that customer that you can then leverage. So you can try a new product um, within that small store and then it can become something bigger for you. So we're definitely seeing a lot of different ways that brands are experimenting with physical stores. I've seen interesting things happen where uh, brands are using physical stores to, you know, um, use them as a way to do video recordings for their live shopping right mm -hmm. so it's not just about the store itself but how you weave that into the digital uh so there are brands like and bing for instances that are using their stores um they're concentrating only stores and then um you know they're using the space to then create their like sort of live streaming um recordings from there so there's creative ways that brands are turning into the physical space Absolutely. Um, and it's interesting. Live streaming is nowhere near new, but it's definitely taken off of recent. And it is, it's about really understanding the opportunity. We ask the questions a lot. What is the point of the store? What is the opportunity of this touch point? How are you leveraging? I mean, for live streaming, it's the perfect backdrop, um, you know, and setting the stage. So you see the, um, the aesthetic and the environment that's created in the store, but seeing a live person style products together and create the perfect looks for you. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the things as well I wanted to to touch upon is that growth is not a one-size-fits-all and, um, and the evolution of the store we're also seeing an evolution of more formats in the toolkit and it's everything from mobile and kiosk to pop-up but also the average square footage is much smaller today than it was years ago 
Um, what are some of the conversations that you're having with brands that you have relationships with? Um, what trends are you seeing as far as the kinds of formats that brands are, are leaning into and the opportunity in those? But this certainly, um, you know, this idea of using the physical space for multiple purposes, right? So I talked about this live streaming opportunity, but we're seeing brands incorporate more events um, mm -hmm. into the stores and rent out the space. So one of the brands that's well known for it is American Girl, American Girl Dolls, that they, they do these events, but now they're bringing in you know, um, even older folks that are into sort of their doll nostalgia into the stores to have parties or, or hang out. Um, and then we're even seeing brands like Kendra Scott, you know, who are doing sort of events in stores, birthday parties, et cetera, to bring those people into the store. So we're certainly seeing a, a, a reintroduction of events in, and innovation around the type of events that brands are hosting in that store. That used to be a thing pre-COVID, but I think that post-COVID that's coming back. I certainly see among the more established brands, this whole idea of sort of the concept store design has become such a huge element and it's sort of back uh, in a big way, right? H&M has a new concept store here in Wormsburg where we are. Um, we're seeing, um, you know, Glossier, uh, which had a concept store or, or a store in Williamsburg's now in, mm -hmm. in Soho with their like subway tiles. So this emphasis on let's create some, ex you know, exciting design elements that people will talk about, will get us some PR and that will get people to come to the store. So we're seeing a lot of that as well. And then on the luxury end, I think we're seeing, you know, big sort of out of home activations um, mm -hmm. and sort of you know, taking over like department stores so that you can get people into that. So there's all kinds of experimentation going on in the, you know, in real life um, sort of uh, arena where people are really trying to, to get, get consumers excited about walking into a store beyond just purchase. Absolutely. And so when we think of formats, I, we recently did a survey um, earlier this year about the opportunities of formats and seeing the the emotional connection that's created with consumers and that balancing of creating this space of discovery um, with ease and understanding the utility that technology is providing, which usually factors into efficiency and ease. Um, and what does that free up for the opportunity of store design and experience per square foot? And I've been intrigued to see um, how brands and retailers have been approaching formats differently. Everything from concept stores to flagship destination. You look at a brand like Dix, who's more of a retailer, um, but is direct to consumer in their own way in that there's a relationship with the brand of Dix, with the people who go there, um, and how they're looking at store formats. They've gone fully experiential in some of them and even yeah. opened some of those in cities and geographies where they had existing stores. But what they saw was not a cannibalization. What they yeah. saw was, actually more engagement with the brand. Um, people are, are, are wanting these kind of experiences. They can go rock climbing and go to the batting cages and they can practice their swing. Um, and so it, it furthers that conversation more as well. It's not just about how much product you could fit, fit per square foot um, and the sales you're driving in that one moment, but it's how is this experience you're creating either part of your network effect because you have a network of stores um, but ultimately, regardless, what is it doing to customer lifetime value? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, when you said that one size fits, fits all, I think that that really brings it back to like, there's no one box format that you can just then sort of do the A store and the D store and the H store, right? Now you have to really think about different types of stores, concept stores, flagship stores, small format stores, you know, pop-ups, like there's all these, and every brand needs to sort of be looking at all of these different things, right? Like, and every market is unique. So how do you fit into that market? Uh, and what does that market want from you? So you really can't just take the box and just propagate it. You really have to think about sort of what each unique format fits your brand and that particular market and consumer. So there's certainly, um, it's, it's, there's a lot of innovation and new thinking into how do you convert that physical space. Um, and it's a really exciting time for it. For sure. Okay, I have three rapid questions for you. First one, you guys publish your top 50 list every year from the lead. Which brand, when it comes to that, when you think about in-store experience, have you been most impressed by or excited by from that list of 50? Um, so we actually um, uh, just uh, did our award ceremony for the top 50 and we awarded our um, uh, uh, trailblazer for them to Roe. And I think I'm very impressed with the way they've both expanded their store footprints, but also how they've combined both the service and the product element in the store and sort of really created that experience. So I think of the 50, I would say Rowan is the, the one that stands out to me. Grown. Okay, great. Um, second, um, of the technologies that are out there today and that landscape is evolving quickly, um, what are you most excited about when it comes to retail tech? Like, what do you think has the opportunity to really push the store experience forward the most? You know, I used to be um, of, of, of the opinion that technology should enable an experience and not become the experience, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think we've we started out with a lot of technology, but I think the technology that enables and sort of stays in the background is still the most compelling because people still want to have that experience. But on the other hand, I, I definitely, the, the pandemic did sort of lead a whole resurgence into the re-adoption of QR codes. And I and seeing those, uh, you know, popping up everywhere and people can sort of self, self-select what information they want. And I think that's been kind of an interesting, unexpected turn for me that the QR codes are bad, but uh, I know they finally saw their day. They finally <laughs> saw their day. And I think, you know, what's underestimated is that retail is never the first that pushes innovation forward when it comes to adoption from consumers. It's usually other things that are happening in life that fuel the ability for it to be adopted in store. And so when the iPhone opened up the ability for the camera to read a QR code, that was game changing. And then of course the pandemic force people to, to be more to innovative. And so it became a natural behavior, opens up the opportunity for retail. But I think it's still important to be um, really purposeful about it because people get a little fatigued. So it's really um, being really mindful about, okay, what am I helping somebody unlock when they hover over this QR code? Um, yeah. I'm really looking forward to when I can open QR codes in the store or retailer and it like goes into my customer profile and creates a shopping list for me, so to speak. Um, because the one pain point I hate is that it opens up 20 different browsers on my phone. Like, what am yes. I doing with that? Yes. Um, okay, my last question, um, mm -hmm. because your next conference is approaching, um, can you share maybe two or three of the topics that you're most excited about for your upcoming conference? Yeah, I mean, when it comes to physical space, like I said, you know, I do have some of these folks um, that I mentioned 
um, on the agenda. You know, we have the chief uh, operating officer of any bank talking about, you know, they're, the, how they're using the stores. Uh, American Girl uh, is on the agenda as well, um, head of retail for them, talking about how they're leveraging stores. So I think um, some of these sort of newer experimental ways of leveraging stores and getting the more out of that store footprint is um, one of the topics um, that I'm really excited about. But in general, I think, you know, um, we're seeing outside of physical space, like how people are doing interesting things to to revive old brands or, or and bring them back um, is another topic. You know, we have someone from uh, Abercrombie talking about how they used, you know, the creator economy to sort of really bring the, the brand back to, to what it is today and where it's, uh, you know, it was uh, most loved and most hated and then most loved again. So it's, um, it's uh, you know, so some of those topics are, are the ones that I'm really excited about is how our brands building that relationship with that customer um, in this era where attention is, you know, is the, the most important commodity. Yeah, I always love a good turnaround story as well. <laughs> so, and I think that the audience is always intrigued by a brand's ability to do that. Um, well, thank you so much for taking the time with us today. Again, everybody, this was Sonal Gandhi. She is the chief content officer at The Lead. Make sure that you follow them. They're always putting out great content about the top brands and retailers, what they're doing in the industry. Um, and they have their top 50 list every year in addition to the upcoming conference. So thanks for sharing some of your, you know, your insights, knowing that you're so close to these conversations all year long. Um, we appreciate um, the knowledge that you shared today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was fun.